Welcome here to Scandinavian Tennis Podcast. My name is Rune Thompson. And my name is Linus Eriksson. Here we will talk you through this week's most interesting happenings on the tennis tours. Vamos, let's go! We're now ready for a new episode of the Scandinavian Tennis Pod with me, Linus Eriksson, and with Rune Thompson. How are you today, Rune? I'm very good. Thanks for having me yet again. And yeah, excited as, as always. And this will be uh, yeah, a tradition that we can carry on for, for many more months and years. It's the seventh week in a row here. So I think we're kind of consistent, uh, at least until now. Of course, of course. And I don't know whether the first seven will be easier than the next seven, but we will see. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. We will see. Uh, I'm thinking, Ron, that this week we will start up in um, uh, Oran, in Algeria, uh, where we last week had uh, a big success for uh, Leo Bori, who reached the semi-final uh, for the men's. Uh, and uh, he traveled there straight from uh, from the tournament in Kalmar. And I know you're kind of impressed by that scheduling. Yes, I'm extremely impressed uh, because I would say reaching first semifinal in 25 on home soil, there will be a lot of guys uh, telling you, oh, this is so good. Oh, really happy for you. So it will be the easy choice to stay home and uh, live a little bit on the result uh, for, for some days instead of going to to Algeria. So I'm very impressed that him and his team had this very mature uh, decision to go on because many other would probably have said, okay, you did good here. We don't have to go to Algeria. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, hopefully, I mean, he, he's, he's young, he's a little bit new to this uh, men's tour. So I, I hope that he's uh, that hungry that she will, he, he will keep making these decisions to, to go for it. Of course, but I mean, even on the highest level, probably it's not so comparison, but on the highest level, they're also doing it. If they, for example, Alcaraz won Masters in, in Madrid and then pulled out of uh, Rome. I know it's not exactly the same, but a lot of people do this. And I think if you want to really make it, not saying Alcaraz is not making it, but you have to grind a lot as we talk about. You have to play in and out and you have to be able to, to change conditions from week to week. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, in, on the on the women's side, uh, Louise Brunskog reached the quarterfinal, uh, and we also had uh, Danish uh, players there, uh, Devine and Veke and uh, Yamshidi, who lost their first uh, match in the tournament. But I think it was the second round because they had buy. It was second course. round. It was second round. Yes, and and then they played double. And I'm so happy uh, for especially Elena because she normally never plays doubles. Uh, she doesn't really, I cannot say that she doesn't, doesn't like to play doubles, but she doesn't play. She's always traveling out, only playing singles. And then this time she was traveling with Divine for this tournament together and they decided to play double and then they make finals. So such a good idea. And now hopefully they have gained momentum and confidence for the second week because otherwise they will only have got the single match and then they had to stay in Algeria, practice for three or four days and kind of motivate themselves to another week. Now they had this and they made the first final. So this is super, super important. Yeah, yeah, and, a good yeah. and a good lesson for other players to, to go on uh, with doubles as well as singles. 
yeah yeah absolutely uh, I think in, uh, you you uh, you, uh, you mentioned uh, when we talked about Leo that that it was great to see that he he traveled straight from from Kalmar to to the next tournament. In the last episode, uh, I was talking with Sofia Samavati, uh, which I hope uh, many listeners have have listened to, and she told us she will take a couple of weeks rest after after Warburg to to practice. Uh, what, what do you think about a move like that in the middle of the summer? I think I think it's wrong, and I think you are not professional tennis player. I know she just won 25k, and she's top 400 in the world. So I cannot really point fingers, but I think you're not professional tennis players. If you need to rest after doing your work, it would be the same if you are working as a consultant in one of the big houses and you have fin- finished a project, and then you just take absence. Uh, no, there's another project right after. You cannot do that. You have to keep going. I understand if you have some smaller injuries or maybe. You have to travel a lot to get home, but here they were, this was not the case. There was plenty of tournaments she could have followed through in Europe within three or four hours uh, flight distance from Copenhagen. So I think it's it's bad guidance for from from her team and and uh, a decision for herself. Yeah, I have found it uh, as a coach the, the last couple of years. Uh, uh, it, it is quite tough sometimes in the summer because there's so many tournaments, there's so many opportunities where you want to play, and you, you can see that. The lists are are not the be- the the best ones, and the cuts are quite. Uh, it, it looks quite good sometimes. It's tough to know when to take a week or two off, uh, or, or if you just should keep going week in week out. I think sometimes it's tricky. It's very tricky because it's not like a, a football season where you know you have twenty eight matches or thirty eight matches, and then after that you're done. Here you actually can play. Uh, professional tennis even on Christmas Eve you have uh, tournaments and on New Year's Eve you have tournaments so you can actually play which is of course a big advantage because you can schedule as you like individually but it also put that little voice in your head should I play this week or should I not because there's always an option to play yeah yeah I I actually saw I don't know how it is for, for the men's but I saw that for the women's there is a 25k in Cairo over uh, Christmas Eve this year. It will be so interesting to see how many that shows us to, to go to Cairo to play that 25 uh, those dates. Uh. Yeah, probably not not so many from Europe at least because they but a lot of uh, people with other religious background than uh, than Christianity will probably uh, play it or is more likely to play it. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we, we will see. Uh, we will head over to uh, a bit bigger stage, uh, Rune, where uh, in uh, Roland, in Roland Garros, Miriam Björklund uh, won the qualifying uh, and is ready for the main draw. Uh, she she actually won all the matches, the three matches in, in the quali in straight sets, and uh, the, she she just lost four games in in one of those sets. Uh, super impressive, uh, and it's her first main draw. Uh, in her career. Um, ha- have you watched anything with Miriam or what, what do you think about that? Performance? I think that it just shows because this is why it's so important to have a ranking. I think not to say anything from Miriam is amazing that she's done it, but this also shows how important it is to be seated in, uh, uh, yeah, in any tournament. Because yeah. given that she was very low seated, I think 30 or 31, she actually, by that, how only had to play one other lady that was ranked above her mm. to make it to the main draw. If she has been unseated, she might have played two or three three ladies. And I think that makes a big difference. For example, if we compare it to her Australian Open run, uh, where she also 
did quite good. It was her first um, uh, Grand Slam quali, and she made it to the to the final stage of quali. Mm. But there, she had to play like two two uh, two girls above her ranking. So I think it makes a, a big a big difference, and could actually be uh, yeah potentially uh, in in money and in price uh, uh, in points a big a big difference. Yeah, yeah, but but it, that 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 goes for all the levels more or less. Uh, I mean, to, to be seated in a twenty-five is also so important uh, if you want to build the ranking. Uh, exactly, exactly. And then of course you can say she was lucky that she was paired up in her uh, quality half with the fifteen seated. That could also have been like fourteen other uh, players with higher rank. Uh, so yeah, everything adds up. But but uh, yeah, this this is actually things that makes a huge difference for for any player it, it is it is uh, but but anyway at the end of the day it's uh, it's a uh, sort of a dream coming true i guess to to play a main draw in a, in a grand slam and it's uh, yeah all yes. respect for that uh, and if we continue that i mean now she's playing another qualifier that is outside top 100 and i think that i mean um this is also an amazing opportunity of course pressure will be enormous because it would be easier if she played like a higher ranked uh, player because then she could just go out and enjoy the first round and didn't have too much expectation. Now she's actually in a situation where she can win a main draw uh, slam match. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Donna, Donna Vekic, of course, she has, she has experience, but she hasn't been doing so well this year, actually. So, I mean, I think there is it's a very open match. And maybe even if we are very, very kind and uh, patriotic, we could say that Miriam is maybe at least 50-50 in this match. Yeah, we, we will see. We will see. And uh, talking about uh, Roland Garros, uh, our Danish friend uh, Holger Rune, uh, you wrote to me that he's he's playing doubles. Yes, he's going to play with Portuguese Kabbalah uh, that is uh, ranked 73 in doubles and has uh, been doing very good this year, winning Israel uh, ATP and winning, winning four other challengers events. So it will be very interesting to see uh, how she will do uh, in doubles. And I think it's good for Holger uh, to uh, to play a little bit of doubles from time to time, even that it's single that he is 100% focused on. Why do you think that's good for him? Uh, because he's still young. He has a lot of uh, things to learn. And I think as long as you are in the venue uh, with the Grand Slam and in the atmosphere, you catch up a little bit. So if he, for example, now, which I don't hope, uh, lose the first round in singles against Shapovalov. He has the doubles and he will still be in there. He will practice with the good guys and he will feel he's still a part of the tournament. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, we'll see. And then, of uh, course, it's a, it's a money question too. I mean, I think that if you lose first round of doubles, you still make uh, 10 grand. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, for, for the players that, uh, I mean, prioritize singles and is at a high level, those money doesn't really matter, I guess. No, 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 no. But still, uh, Holger is outside the top 32 seeded, so he can face actually potentially Rafa, Alcaraz, Djokovic in the first round. And you don't know that before the entry for double goes in. So I think it's, 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 it's a fine, uh, fine decision now. Of course, if he's getting closer to top 20, then he will probably not play doubles. But, but I mean, uh, I understand in that it, in this case, uh, and it can make sense. But I also think it's it's a bit, um, how do you say, risky for these younger players to start thinking about money when making decisions. Of course, I, I also don't think they, they, uh, they think about money. I think it was just something I would think about if I was in his case. Okay, yeah. So, so maybe, 
maybe one rune is more greedy than the other rune. That's that's great. That's great. Uh, rune, uh, if we move uh, on and uh, we we move to the juniors, uh, and actually I I want to talk about Vanamo, where we had uh, was it grade four junior oh, three. Three. And uh, four for many many years, and I actually actually been there. It's a great tournament, great facilities, and great time of the year to be in uh, in uh, in Sweden in Varnamo uh, in in middle of May. Yeah, you miss those times. I I miss those times, and then if you're really really lucky, you can actually get served in the cafeteria by a former top 200 uh, player. That is very interesting. <laughs> and who's 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 that? Ellen. Ellen is there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, if we, uh, but the results, uh, we had two Swedes in, in the semifinal. We had uh, Kevin Edengren, who reached the semifinal among the boys, and we had Tilda Strömqvist in the lay, uh, in the girls' uh, draw. Uh, I don't think we had any other Scandinavians uh, going deep uh, this week. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we we. Uh, I don't know if there's so much more to say about that, uh, but do, do you know how it looks uh, at the list for Roland Garros for the juniors? Who do yes. we have there? Yes, we, we have uh, potentially three uh, Scandinavian players in the junior uh, uh, junior event. Uh, one one in main draw and then uh, one uh, boy and one girl in the in the quality. But I will, if, if we go back to Varnamo, I would say that we have talked about uh, Tilde, and I think, of course, she should still try to play a little bit more futures. But I think with Kevin, this is very good that he, he was playing first Kalmar, 25, uh, made it through the quality to the main draw, first time he's playing a professional event. Then afterwards, he's playing this uh, Swedish uh, summer tour in Varnamo, where he also makes it from quality to main draw. And then she's playing uh, this junior event and make it from... Uh, from uh, yeah to the semi, so I think a lot of matches for Kevin, and I think it's a very good way and a very good trip uh, for him to do uh, yeah uh, all the, all these tournaments in a row in Sweden. Yeah, that, that's great, but I guess he will keep uh, focusing on the juniors, or of course, of yeah. course, which he should. But but now it was like okay, you make a schedule, you see what is available, and then there's of course one week more in Sweden is is also always positive, especially when you get in and when the draw, when the list in the in the, in um, uh, Kalma was was so and so, so he could actually compete with these guys in the quality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do do you think that uh, one topic we we talked about bringing up here today, Rune, is if there's too many tournaments during these weeks in the summer? If we look at 15 and 25k events, uh, is it too many? Is the draws uh, too too weak to be? Uh, to maybe be maybe these weeks has been a little bit. Uh, too many because but now later on in a month the college players will come in and start playing and they will fill up the the, the spot so i think uh, in a in a month it will be fine with with these uh, like 12 12 11 events in a week in 15 and 25k uh, level but okay. now now it, it it might be a little bit too too much for for the player pool in the moment okay so do you think itf should do something about that yeah, I mean, now I think after COVID, all ITF wants is to host as many tournaments as possible. So, of course, they will not uh, turn it down. But I think they should, of course, look a little bit into the numbers because, as we talked about last week, Oran, it is a little bit of a joke that you have 11 buys in a main draw for women's 15. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think it's that many di- this week. I think it's like... No, it's better. Five. Also, also the men's quality is now filled. So there will be some matches at least. Last week, there was only eight players in the quality. So all eight got through to the main draw. Yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing. Yeah. Uh, Rune, I, I, I know uh, m- many people are interested in how you can keep track of all the results all over the world at all levels. Uh, and and actually, I, I know that you have no favorites uh, marked on your resultina. So you look through all the draws every day. Is that correct? I do it every morning and then throughout the day. And then to get it even worse, I also look Tuesday and Thursday on accept list because that is where entry is and where withdrawal is. So yeah, I, I have uh, I have no life. As, as you can see, <laughs> <laughs> I have no life. Uh, yeah, that's 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 amazing. Uh, Rune, um, we we also have uh, one topic uh, to to talk shortly about, uh, and that's why why do the professional players play tennis? You texted me during the week and said that this is something we should should talk talk about. Explain yes. for me what what you think about that. Yes, I think that many players, especially from Scandinavian countries. They tell themselves and they tell them the, the people around them, I'm a professional tennis player. But if you look at them closely, and it's not like there is a, a description for what to do as a professional tennis player or what is required. But I think that a lot of the players that say they are professional might not even be professional. They are more semi-professional, you can mm. say. They, 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 of course, they practice tennis. They travel sometimes for some tournaments, but they also do a lot of other things in life. Um, some is coaching, of course, that makes sense because then they make some money for the career, but others are also just enjoying life, you can say. And of, you are allowed to do that, but I think they are enjoying it in a way where it's in a conflict of what it is for them and themselves to improve, to get better. I mean, if we go back to uh, the topic we had before, where we said that uh, Sofia Samabati was not traveling to another tournament right after she won 25, it also happens with a lot of players that is not winning a tournament, but they're coming back home and then, oh, they need some days off because they, they need to rest or they don't feel so good instead of practicing. If I was a professional tennis player and I've just lost a match in Antalya, the first thing I would do was to try to see what can I work on so I don't make the same mistakes again. Mm. And of mm. course, it's easier if you have a coach telling you or you travel with another player that can help you. But I think that is a minimum requirement as a professional player that you have. You fill up your bags with know-how from the previous match or the previous tournament. And then when you come home to your practice base, you use this as an asset to improve your game. And that is what you're working on. I see a lot of players coming home and then they practice a little bit, but they actually practice exactly the same as they would have done if it was all season, if they were in the middle of the tournament or whatever. So mm-hmm. so, so th- this is sort of uh, something you have experienced when you have uh, been on tournaments and, and watch other players or, or act- also back, back, back home or... Yeah, yeah, I, I experience. I mean, I think most, let's say, on the ITF tour, sixty-five percent is doing this. What I say, more or less, not every week or not after each tournament, but they have the tendency throughout the the year. 
so, so uh, I mean, with this uh, with this in mind, do you, do you think the players should uh, evaluate if they should um, do something else, or do you think it's fine the way they are like uh, playing tennis or, or acting professional in this way, or what do you think? What do you think should should I be done? The, the biggest problem is actually not the, the player, or I think the biggest problem is that everybody in this world can call themselves professional tennis player because there is no requirements to be a professional tennis player. If you're a football player, you need a contract with a club. Otherwise, you're not a professional uh, football player. As uh, any other sport, you need some uh, like requirement. But actually here, my neighbor ho at home, he could create an IPIN and he could sign up for a tournament and he could go and he could play without any experience of tennis. And say that he's with professional or he's playing yes. on a professional tour. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and that is, uh, I think, the biggest uh, problem here, because if we have some requirements saying, OK, you have to practice minimum, let's say, 20 hours a week, you have to have a, a home based coach, you have to have uh, a fitness coach. If there were some kind of requirements within the description of being a professional tennis player, then I think we will erase a lot of these players that was doing it more maybe for saying it or maybe it was a dream for them or maybe it was just a quick fix for them to like do this and we would have of course fewer players playing but the general level would be higher because everybody that was playing would be professional but but uh, yeah but but where do you think we should put that how how good do you think a player should be to be able to say that he's a professional tennis player is it like I mean, a, a top thousand or a top eight hundred or? No, what? I think maybe there should be a license uh, for federation. I know it's it's maybe not so uh, precise, but I think maybe the federation should hand out license to the domestic players to say, okay, you can start traveling abroad and playing international tournaments because we, as a Danish federation, we think that you have the level. You have the requirements, so we give you this opportunity to travel abroad. We can create an IPIN for you, and then you can start competing instead of my neighbor can just do it from home. Yeah, I, I see your point, but it, that, that's a tough way to go because I mean, then all the federations will have different views of uh, who's. I understand. I understand. That is for sure what happened, and I mean, some of them will be done by what one people think is right <laughs> or wrong in the federation. But you could also say, okay, we have a. Uh, some some licenses are handed out by that, but some mm. licenses are handed out by resorts. Some licenses are maybe handed out uh, by a tournament we we create. I mean, yeah. there could be many ways to roam. You can see. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting topic for sure, uh, and uh, we could probably discuss this, or we will probably discuss it even more uh, in in future episodes. Uh, but but uh, I mean, from from your ex experience, how how much does does it cost to travel on these uh, future tours uh, and, and to be a professional players player? It, it, it costs a lot. I mean, I think my estimate, if we're talking inside Europe as a Scandinavian player, uh, one week is normally around from 800 to 1000 euro. Okay. Full week for yourself with accommodation, with food and with uh, air tickets. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, and yeah. then if we go outside, we, we double up um, the, the, yeah. the, the, the number. And if you travel together with someone or a coach or someone, it's... No, no, uh, no, no. Uh, the 800 to 1,000 euro is, is with, uh, with if that your share room 
in in the in with another player and okay. whatever there is to share you share uh, transfer from airport or yeah whatever you need okay 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 so so do you do is this i mean when talking about the, the financial part uh do, do you think the the price money should be raised even at the lower levels uh first round second rounds uh i mean or what's your point of view of that yes i think that i mean i don't think there should be it should be raised maybe in in the lowest level but no. i think it should be for sure raised on the second or third lowest level where so that you could I know this has been a discussion for, for many, many, many years, but I think that it cannot be true that you are 700, 800 in the world in, in, a, in a such a competitive sport as tennis, and you cannot break even with your sport. Hmm. If I was 800 in football in the world or 800 in ice hockey, basketball, I would make millions. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but at the same time, you, you also just a, a few minutes ago said that there's so many players that is probably ranked uh, among these these numbers that are actually not very professional no oh, I, I agree uh, and it, it can sound a, as a contradiction but i also think that if we could make it more reasonable for for these players to travel maybe they would understand it will require more or maybe it would have the other effect. They would be even more lazy. I don't know. Yeah, but... I mean, because they, they, they can be satisfied with being in Antalya at the resort yes, and actually yes. make a living out of it. But the other, the other way, as we have it now, is also a little bit unfair because the way we have it now, it's more a numbers game. That means that if we were at the same level, you and I, you know, which I know we don't have, but if we had the same level, then the, the person that will reach the highest ranking would be the one with most money, for sure. Because he can choose a better, a better tournament scheduling and maybe have a yes. coach with them and, yes. and so on. Yes, yes, yes. And he will not have the pressure of, oh, I have only money for two more weeks here in Antalya. I have to do something. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think, because uh, always when we talk about like uh, professional te play tennis and, and uh, we talk about setups, I mean, uh, how to, to compete, to have a coach, uh, where do you practice and so on. Do, do you think we talk too less about the financial part? Because it's so important. Yes. I mean, I don't know how many players I've met for the last yeah, yeah, 10 years that has retired with the reason of finance. Mm, mm. Of course, some of them is using it as an excuse because they were not good enough. But I still think there is uh, there is something to talk about there. Um, mm. And uh, with the, this topic in mind, I, I can recommend everyone to listen to the episode I, where I had you as a guest on my podcast uh, at Linus på Boslinen, where we actually talked a little bit about this. And I know you you said something about that. Uh, you feel that a lot of parents maybe don't invest enough in in the in the, the their kids tennis uh they, they they prefer to go on some vacation instead of putting the money and to to this uh, this project sometimes so true and the, the, and as i also said in the episode but so i'll only see it very shortly they also expect way 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 too much from the club and the federation yeah exactly exactly uh <laughs> Okay, Rune, uh, we will go to the questions I ask you every week. Uh, what has been this week's biggest question mark for you? I think that the, and, and announcing that Wimbledon would not uh, 
carry on any points on the WTA or ATP ranking is a big, big question mark. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the situation just came up, I think, a couple of days ago in the newsletter. And very, very soon, a lot of players complained because now, without even doing anything, they will drop the ranking. Uh, and also, the biggest contradiction is maybe that Daniel Medvedev, without playing, <laughs> will be number one in the world. Yeah, B- because Djokovic, uh, yeah, yeah, Djokovic point will drop. Will drop. Yes, I think it's wrong. I think it's it's simply wrong. Again, we can talk about this forever about whether uh, Russian or Belarus players should be banned or whatever. Yeah. But I think this is wrong because it just shows the rest of the world that we in our tennis society, we are not united. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and actually, I had uh, this as one uh, yes or no question to you later, if you think Wimbledon uh, is doing the right thing or no. But now you answer that one, uh, that you think is the wrong decision. It's a big question mark, at least. Okay. Uh, and this week's uh, biggest surprise? The biggest surprise was for me that... Uh, i mean, it's not a big surprise, but I was very positive surprised that uh, Elena Yamshidi played double uh, for the first time, I think, ever in uh, in Oran. Yeah, yeah. But but do, do you think that because it also uh, went quite well for them? Uh, I mean, I, it, it would have been, maybe I would not have mentioned it if, if they were losing first round, but now everything got together because I said to her, I think she should play, not that... I have any influence that she played now, but I think this was a, a very good, uh, a genius stroke, you can say. Yeah. Uh, you said you don't have any influence, Arun, uh, and you don't have social medias, but now when you have this podcast, you're actually a quite big influencer here. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it or not, but that's how it is. Uh... <laughs> I, will, I will see it, uh, yeah, and let, not let the burden uh, carry me down. <laughs> Uh, okay, Rune, uh, this week's biggest waste of time. Yeah, what has been going on with... Uh, that's a good question. I, I have one thing that I can ask you if you think was a waste of time. Do, do you think it maybe has been a waste of time uh, for Casper uh, uh, Rude to play Uh, a tournament this week before Roland Garros where he actually can go quite deep uh, because I mean some of the, the the top favorites doesn't play the week before uh, because they want to go in go go into a Grand Slam with, with uh, fresh legs and so on uh, what, what do you think about that but I think uh, for Casper's uh, part it's not really a, a big waste of time because he he hasn't been doing so great on the, on the European clay this season so I think uh, Going now with a win is a big, uh, yeah, confidence boost for him, and uh, and that will maybe be better for him than coming in to French Open with a little bit of, uh, yeah, uh, where am I, where am my level at the moment? Okay, okay, uh, but but I mean he 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 reached the semifinal in Rome and now he won Geneva, and I mean, yeah, okay. Maybe not yes, super yeah. good. I mean, a quarterfinal in Barcelona, a quarterfinal in Munich. It, it, it does. It hasn't been super bad. Uh, no, no. But you also have to compare it up to how he did uh, last year and how he normally does on the mm-hmm. uh, European play. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I see. Uh, okay, last one. Uh, this week's uh, stroke of genius. Yeah, I mean, 
what have we been talking about a lot is that uh, these um, team matches that has been playing mm. now also starting in in Norway and also in Sweden and I think it's very 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 interesting to see especially in Denmark how many international players that is actually coming to Denmark to play uh, this uh, team matches and I think many of the clubs are doing a, are doing a very good uh, research and they have, must have very good connections so I think that when I can see guys around five six hundred is playing here in Denmark uh, that ha- has no relation to Denmark I think it's yeah very impressive yeah yeah and do you, you think it's only positive that uh, a lot of players from uh, yeah from abroad is coming in playing yeah because it's it raised the level yeah okay uh, all right Rune, we're almost done here uh, I have three questions for you uh, all of them doesn't uh, 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 they, they don't have too much to do with this week's happenings but uh, I will ask you anyway yeah because it's it's fun uh, next week we will talk a little bit more about the, the college tennis that has been going on so my question to you is have you watched any college tennis match ever on live stream yes a lot of time I mean, there is this wonderful app, Tennis One, mm-hmm. where you can have stream for all college matches in the NCAA, actually. And even the quality is so, sometimes so and so. It's it's very interesting because it's another dynamic that compared to another tournament, because here you have like six matches going on at the same time and you have score nine on all of them. And then it's going like, whoa, it's like watching uh, all matches in the last round of Alsvenska, you can see. <laughs> Okay, so so now you almost uh, sound, uh, yeah, like a fan of college tennis. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of this because it's it's interesting. I'm not a, f- a big fan of the developed part for a tennis player going college. Okay, yeah, that's that's another topic. Uh, okay, actually, uh, I, I did write this question before we we started our talk today. But uh, do you think a player ranked 500 in the world should be able to make a living out of playing tennis? Yes or no? Yes. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, I, the, the, the last question now is, is because I didn't, uh, I, I didn't come up with anyone else. But uh, do you think it's too much business going on from Patrick Muratoglu? Yes or no? Yes. Do you think he's a good coach? No. But he coaches... But I've only, of- only seen him once coaching. So, I mean, I must be honest to say it's not it would be the same if i see a player and uh, and you ask me can this player be 500 in the world and i say no then it's maybe not on the best terms i'm saying but what i've seen him doing is mainly like advertising himself and trying to create this um how can you say atmosphere around him that he is uh, a god yeah yeah all right, Rune, that's all for today. Uh, like always, a pleasure talking to you. Uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, we, we keep on rolling and hopefully we will uh, make another episode next weekend. So until then, uh, yeah, take care and, uh, and talk to you soon again. That was all for this week, guys. Uh, Please subscribe to the podcast on your app. 
where you listen to this one so that you don't miss out on any new episodes coming out. And please share this uh, this pod with your friends that you think might be interested in listening to us talking about Scandinavian tennis. And uh, around every other week having a guest on. So please spread the word and talk to you in a week again. Bye bye.